Chapter Eighteen of Tom Playfair or Making a Start by Francis J. Thin, S. J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eighteen, in which Tom astonishes and horrifies his aunt. It is ten of the night. Tom has just arisen from his knees and seems to find some difficulty in divesting himself of his sailor shirt. He is gazing very hard at Mr. Meadow through a sort of lattice-work formed by the bosom of his shirt, which is now concealing his little head. In this dramatic attitude he stands till Mr. Meadow gets into bed. Then Tom, with a jerk, brings the shirt back to its normal position on his shoulders, and says, Uncle, you forgot something. What? Why, you forgot to kneel down before going to bed. You didn't used to do that when we lived in St. Louis hop out and kneel down mind your business young man in answer to which tom sat down on a chair and began to whistle softly stop that noise and come to bed tom ceased his whistling arose walked over to the sofa and throwing an overcoat about himself lay back with his eyes fixed upon mr meadow's astonished face then there was a long pause during which the recumbent uncle and nephew looked at each other steadily what are you staring at growled mr meadow raising his head and leaning upon his elbow i'm taking in your nightcap uncle it makes you look so funny get off that sofa and come to bed not in that bed why not you didn't say your prayers suppose the devil were to come round tonight he might get things mixed up and take me for you then there'd be a pretty howdy-do tom was not entirely in earnest but he spoke with funereal gravity if you don't come to bed sir I'll report you to your father. Tom sighed. Mr. Meadow had hit upon the best means of subduing him. He arose from the sofa, slowly undressed, then going to his valise, took out a bottle containing holy water, which he proceeded to sprinkle over the bed, incidentally dousing the astonished countenance of his uncle. Then, with another sigh, he retired. He intended to sigh for a third time once he had composed himself for slumber, but he fell asleep before the time came for carrying out this pious intention. Tom was unusually docile on this occasion, but Mr. Meadow's threat was not an idle one. That very day a telegram had reached them, announcing the coming on the morrow of Mr. Playfair and Aunt Meadow. The one person in the world whom Tom feared was his father, and he still remembered vividly, too, their painful encounter touched upon, or rather glossed over, in Chapter 2 next morning accordingly mr playfair and miss meadow arrived mr playfair unbent as far as to give his little boy a paternal kiss but his aunt's greeting was so warm as to disarrange her toilet very considerably then holding her darling nephew at arm's length she anxiously scanned his features tommy dear she exclaimed at length you must have received an awful shock no i didn't aunt it was just nothing at all I fell down all of a heap and picked myself up as good as new. Tom made light of the matter. He knew his aunt from of old, and he had no intention of being plied with family medicines for a week. Roll down your stocking, Tommy. I must see where you've been burnt. Do you take me for a tattooed man? exclaimed the young gentleman indignantly. Pull down your stocking, said Mr. Playfair. And when Tom, with commendable promptness, exhibited the red mark, as of a branding iron upon his calf miss meadow pulled out her handkerchief and began to cry poor gentle lady oh i say aunt jane don't exclaimed tom earnestly 
he was a warm-hearted little fellow and under a boyish mask of levity concealed the great love he bore his aunt in answer to this remonstrance she threw her arms about him again and renewed the kissing and hugging till he blushed as a red red rose why doesn't somebody take notice of me that way queried mr meadow who felt that he was being ignored i think i'll pull up my stocking said tom now really embarrassed there is no use in making such a fuss about it people that cook get burnt a lot worse and don't say a word tommy dear resumed miss meadow who having had her cry out was now after the manner of her sex thoroughly renewed you're not quite well yet you've lost color gracious exclaimed tom turning his face to a looking-glass aunt calls me pale when my face looks like for all the world like like a ham or better still an indian in his war paint interpolated the agreeable young man of the party george playfair miss meadow went on after bestowing a withering glance upon her only brother just look at your boy i have been looking at him these last five minutes jane can't you see that he's badly shaken he was pretty badly shaken when you got hold of him but if you mean to say he's sick i must give it as my opinion that he never looked better in his life men have no feelings exclaimed miss meadow with unusual bitterness they can see through a millstone though when there's a good-sized hole in it said mr meadow grinning at his own wit now tommy tell us all about that dreadful night by the way charles she continued addressing mr meadow are there any lightning rods in this house two is that all i should think that's enough you can't have too many continued miss meadow we might attach a lightning rod to tom suggested mr playfair dryly he'd present an interesting spectacle going round with a lightning rod sticking out of his hat george playfair exclaimed miss meadow arising from her chair if you had any heart in you you wouldn't go jesting on that subject after such a terrific visitation oh if you wish my dear we'll have both lightning rods removed from this house miss meadow gave him a look such a look then turned to tom and with many a question succeeding in extracting from her tortured nephew some account of the calamity wasn't he brave she exclaimed when he had detailed his experience in crossing the creek he might have been drowned and miss meadow caught tom to her arms again if the boy had any sense at all said the practical father he'd have felt around for that bridge to begin with instead of risking his life yes tom added the genial uncle you are a fool by the way that swimming adventure of yours reminds me of mr meadow was about to relate how he had once saved a drowning companion by reaching him a long pull from the bank when he was interrupted by tom's extraordinary gesticulations for tom had at once raised both hands in air and set his fingers wriggling in a way that was little short of dazzling what's the matter exclaimed the narrator ten times answered tom you've told us that story ten times in the last ten months give us something new tom intended to be facetious but his impertinence offended his uncle who forthwith proceeded to narrate tom's adventures in cincinnati during the recital mr playfair's brow clouded i don't like it he observed at the end don't like what cried the aunt indeed sir you don't know what a treasure you've got few boys would give all their money in their best suit of clothes and charity yes and few boys who are supposed to be gentlemen would stay out all night and run into saloons to sell papers i forgot pa and continued the stern father 
whose very love for his son made him a severe judge it's very charitable to give away clothes and money but whose were they you gave me the money pa and besides i only loaned it and then mr playfair was resuming but miss meadow came to the rescue now george the idea of scolding your young heroic little boy after a separation of three months you know you'd have been sorry if tom had acted any way else no i wouldn't jane tom should have gone back to his uncle in the theatre it wasn't much of a theatre anyhow put in tom getting in return a savage scowl from his uncle and charles would have taken care of the boy without all this paper selling and staying out all night well pa i meant to do right what's that place they say it pays with good intentions asked mr meadow i'm sure you mean right tom but you must be careful remember you're getting ready for your first communion mr playfair it may be remarked was somewhat jansenistic in his ideas all during mr meadow's account of tom he had been deliberating whether the boy were of a fit age and disposition for receiving the blessed sacrament he loved his boy but did not understand him by the way jane he said turning to miss meadow if you wish to see your former schoolmate before dinner we'd better start at once of course you'll come with us tom hurrah cried tom regaining his spirits but at this point miss meadow failed him mr playfair she exclaimed dramatically will you please look out that window i'm tired looking out that window jane and do you mean to say that you are willing to expose your son's precious life in the face of a blinding snowstorm miss meadow was carried into exaggeration by her anxiety for tom's welfare it was snowing quite briskly but by no means in such a way as to merit her strong epithet pshaw cried tom i ain't a girl i don't see any particular risk said the father in his present debilitated state continued aunt jane firmly it would be absolute suicide to let that boy put foot beyond the threshold do you take me for a wax doll growled tom but despite all protests miss meadow had her will presenting her nephew with a box of candy and the history of sanford and merton and cautioning him to avoid all draughts and keep his feet warm the good little lady departed with mr playfair and her amiable brother leaving behind her a very discontented young man indeed tom spent fully half an hour munching candy and reading the initial chapters of the story then he closed the book with a snap those english boys must be queer fellows if they go round preaching sermons the way that sanford does i'm glad that he doesn't go to st mars he makes me tired tom did the english boys injustice master sanford i am told exists in fiction not in england that was the last of sanford and merton for tom he presented the precious volume before leaving cincinnati to the house cook the ensuing hour passed very slowly he gave most of the time to gazing ruefully out of the window with his nose flattened against the pane the snow continued to fall and the street below had become carpeted in white tiring even of this he at length took to standing on his head and turning somersaults and he was thus putting himself into a happier frame of mind when there came a ring at the door thinking that it was his father and aunt he hastened to admit them himself but instead of finding his relations standing without he opened the door upon a very small boy with a very weazen face and a very large snow shovel halloa said tom would you like to have the snow shoveled off your pavement sir 
it isn't my pavement and besides i'm not the lady of the house explained tom but if you like i'll go and ask her thank you sir said the very small boy tom returned presently with the news that the lady of the house would put her hired man at it later on thank you sir and the little boy touched his cap and sniffled tom was touched i say little chap won't you take some candy thank you sir the small boy received the handful of caramels with a smile how much do you charge for shoveling snow pursued tom twenty-five cents is the regular charge i think sir what's your charge i don't know exactly i never tried before how does fifty cents suit you continued tom spreading his feet and with his arms akimbo that's too much not for you though you're not used to the work and it'll take you twice as long to do it as a fellow who is used to it that's why i'll pay you twice as much this was tom's first expression of opinion in political economy the very small boy was presently working away with a will while his smiling employer standing in the doorway looked on with undisguised interest where are your gloves asked tom after a silence of at least five minutes i ain't got any sir here cried the employer returning from the hat-rack with his own come up here and put these on please sir i don't want them thank you he was a modest boy this weazen face who asked you whether you wanted them or not you're in my employment now and you've got to do what you're told hop up here and put em on what's your name continued capital as he handed labor the gloves fred williams sir call me tom or i'll discharge you i like your name i knew a fellow named fred once and he wasn't a bad sort of a chap though he was an awful blower fred smiled in an ancient way and descending the steps resumed his work one moment later a snowball took him on the back of the head he turned his face to the door but tom who was grinning behind it was out of sight i did it said the honest but undignified employer after a judicious interval as he came running down the steps say you aren't tired are you no sir yes you are let me catch hold of that shovel i'll bet i can manage it better than you aghast the employee yielded and tom put himself to shoveling till his back ached he had completely forgotten aunt meadow's injunctions there he exclaimed throwing a last shovel full into the gutter now that's done here's your fifty cents fred thank you sir said fred simply it's for mamma take some more candy said tom no thank you good-bye sir hold on let's have some fun fred grinned just stand at that corner continued tom and we'll peg at each other you ought to get a chance at me cause i hit you when you weren't looking you know i'd like to but mamma's sick and i want to help her if i had any more money said tom i'd get you to clean off some more sidewalks but i'm dead broke the little boy was about to speak when a sound not unlike a scream startled the two lads why tommy continued miss meadow turning the corner with her brother-in-law you'll catch your death of cold go into the house this very instant aren't your stockings wet of course they are i've been shoveling snow say aunt he added in a low tone as he brought his mouth to her ear this little chap's got a sick mother give him a dollar and i'll do anything you like you will then i'll give him two tom's promise cost him a hot mustard bath but he bore it bravely for sweet charity's sake 
after supper our hero actually did become ill he felt an uneasy feeling somewhere within and didn't know what to make of it like the young spartan with the fox gnawing at his vittles he tried to bear his misery with unchanged demeanor poor boy a week's feasting following hard upon a week's fasting had been too much for him miss meadow who had been watching him all day with the eye of a detective noticed a change in his color there was no imagination this time tommy tell me the truth she said you are sick it's here aunt said tom laying his hand pathetically upon his stomach whereupon miss meadow put him to bed placed a mustard plaster upon the place indicated and seating herself beside her boy held a watch before her to time his misery in ten minutes he began wriggling you've got to bear it tommy dear i prefer the bellyache growled the impatient invalid he attempted to move his aunt by groans but she was obdurate then he begged for a glass of water determined once his aunt had left the room to fling the wretched plaster out of the window but miss meadow with her eyes watching his every motion backed over to the door and called out for water i think aunt you'd better take that rag off implored tom when the watch had gone seventeen minutes i'm perfectly well honest and that thing's burning awfully but miss meadow mounted guard till twenty-five minutes had elapsed he was cured his aunt bent on making assurance doubly sure now produced a box of pills however when he protested almost with tears in his eyes that he never felt better in his life miss meadow gave in when she returned to the room rather suddenly a few minutes later she was horrified to find the darling boy dancing about the room apparently in an ecstasy of joy tommy you reckless boy what are you doing now i was celebrating he answered someone discomfited at being discovered and highly astonished at seeing that his aunt had a coil of rope in her hands celebrating what that old mustard plastered i feel so good that it's off but i say aunt you're not going to tie me down are you no tommy but get into bed and i'll tell you all about it curiosity gave tom's obedience a generous amount of promptness then miss meadow gravely tied one end of the rope to the bureau it's a heavy bureau tom and it will stand the strain the astonished lad began to fear that his aunt was losing her mind what strain tommy pay attention to me if the house catches fire or gets struck by lightning drop this rope out the window and climb down you're good at climbing you know do you really think aunt that the lightning is chasing me round the world we don't know what may happen said the little woman there are storms and fires all over the country now good night dear and she kissed the unromantic youth miss meadow had not been gone five minutes when she remembered that tom's water pitcher needed replenishing she hastened back and as she entered his room gave a gasp he was not there tommy she called yes'm the voice was from without ah she saw it all now as with a suppressed scream she hurried over to the open window following the course of the rope tom was halfway down you wretch god forgive me my dear tommy what on earth are you doing testing your fire escape aunt it's immense he delivered this opinion as he touched foot in the yard no sooner had he relinquished his hold on the rope that miss meadow hauled it up into the window with feverish haste 
I say, he protested, how'll I get back? I'll open the door for you, Tommy. But you spoiled all my fun. It would be jolly climbing up again. Master Tom, nevertheless, re-entered by the side door and slept without a fire escape that night. End of chapter 18 Recording by Maria Therese